Election College, episode 130, The Life of John Quincy Adams, part one. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Remember his rotundity? Yeah, I remember him. He had a boy, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, John Quincy Adams. Oh, Q. Yeah. So, get this. Q. I'm getting it. He was born in 1767, <laughs> and his mom was uh-huh. Abigail, who we really like Abigail. She's a nice lady. Yeah, and John, of course, uh, his rotundity himself. Right. We're going to talk about the life of John Quincy Adams. He was actually named after Abigail's dad, Colonel John Quincy. And uh, hey, if you're from Quincy, Massachusetts, that's who your town's named after. Yeah. In 1779, he kept a diary. He began keeping one that he actually kept until 1848. And it is about 50 volumes, which is like a lot, in case you're wondering. It's actually one of the biggest collections of firsthand information um, during this time period in our nation's history. Actually, really any history, but especially our nation. Um, most of Q's childhood was spent with his father, um, you know, going overseas, serving uh, in France from 1778 until 79. We talked about that, of course, during the episode on his rotundity. And then in the Netherlands from 1780 to 1782. Yeah, so as far as education goes, well, he got his education on the road. It's like the best case scenario for a homeschooler, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he did attend some classes at Leiden University in the Netherlands and uh, for nearly three years, uh, beginning at the age of 14, he went with Francis Dana as a secretary on a mission to St. Petersburg, Russia to obtain recognition of the new country the United States of America. So he was all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was in Finland, Sweden, Denmark, and um, he became fluent in um, several different languages, like French and Dutch. Uh, he was pretty functional with German and some other languages as well. And you can imagine with the way his father was very much a formal type guy he was very fluent in latin and greek as well and uh yeah he went to harvard and he had translated virgil horace and aristotle and Hmm. and memorized greek grammar and uh, (laughs) translated the new testament so how do you like that hey you guys go ahead and live up to that we'll sit here and watch yeah and you need to do that before you're 20 like q did yeah so he he goes and uh studies 
law and, uh, you know, like every good president did. And then he also got a Master of Arts from Harvard in 1790 and gets admitted to the bar in 1791 and starts practicing law. And so, you know, Adams, he really gets his first kind of national uh, recognition, his, his props, as you will, uh, as the cool kids are saying. Uh, when <laughs> <laughs> the cool kids from eight years ago, <laughs> when he uh, he goes in and he he publishes this series of articles, you know, kind of emphasizing that he thought Washington's decision to keep America out of the French Revolution and all the stuff happening around that, where he supported that, and so George Washington's like, hey, um, Q, nice job, thanks for supporting me. Uh, why don't you go be the minister to the Netherlands at at the ripe old age of 26 years old? <laughs> Q accepts. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting to note that he didn't want that. He'd rather, you know, chill out at home. But uh, his rotundity was like, hey, Q, get out. Go. Get out of the house. And um, on his way to the Netherlands, he was to deliver a set of documents to our friend, John Jay, who was over there. He's negotiating the Jay Treaty. And um, he spent some time with John Jay, and he writes home to his dad. He says, hey, I really support this treaty that uh, the United States needs to stay out of European business. So there's a historian named uh, Paul Nagel. He said that the letter did reach Washington and that parts of that letter were actually used by George Washington when he was um, writing his farewell address. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So he was going back and forth between The Hague and London, and he's like, hey, Louisa Catherine Johnson, you look <laughs> mighty fine. He called her by all three names, of course. Yeah. You've got a pretty cool hat type thing that's combined with your dress. <laughs> <laughs> What, what do you think? You know this is an audio format, right? Uh, you know, our listeners don't know what you're talking about. Oh. Well, you, you've just got to see <laughs> Louisa Catherine Johnson because she's got a pretty wicked bonnet hat thing <laughs> going on. Yeah. Anyway, Q's like, I'm the Q, right? And uh, why don't you and me, we, we need to get together, right? Yeah. So he actually wants to go after he you know proposes and everything and and they get together. Uh, he wants to go back to being a citizen, just a private citizen who gets to watch TV and eat Cheetos. And Washington's like, no, 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 uh, you're too good to go back home. You're going to be a minister to Portugal, and <laughs> you're actually uh, going to be appointed to the Berlin legation. So uh, he actually has a lot of talents in these areas, and he is really good at being the minister. Uh, he really hates the idea that he has way more talents than he has desire to serve. So he gets convinced by Washington to remain in public service, and uh, it's all because he found out that Washington thought so incredibly highly of him. And, you know, Washington actually says about him, he is the most valuable of America's officials abroad. And so this is when Q is like, all right, I guess I might as well just devote the rest of my life to being... Washington's <laughs> protege or uh, at least, you know, public service as it is. Yeah. And you can imagine how excited Q was when Washington is like, I'm not going to run for president. <laughs> 1797 rolls around. His dad is the president. And guess what? 
dad's like, hey, buddy, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to Prussia. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there he goes to Prussia and he pretty much rocks the world there with all kinds of agreements that are good for the United States, good for Prussia, and uh, he's there until 1801. Now, while he is over there, he marries Johnson, and um, she's she's kind of from a poor family. So here's a little bit of trivia for you. Uh-huh. Adams is the only president to have married a first lady who was born outside of the United States. So far. Go figure. There is a current leading candidate who is married to someone born outside the United States, so it's possible. Could happen again. It could. But you'll find out later because this is a history show. Go listen to NPR or something. So in 1801, he's like, hey, I want to come back to America. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> We're coming to him. Oh, man. I'm singing Neil Diamond, Ben. So <laughs> he comes back to the U.S. and he gets appointed as a commissioner of monetary affairs in Boston. But guess what? What? TJ. Yeah. He's like, no. You can't do that. Can't touch that. <laughs> so I'm sure Q was really upset about that. He says, I'm going to become an attorney, but no. He gets elected as a member of the Massachusetts State Senate. And then just a few months later, he runs as a Federalist for the U.S. House and loses. Yeah. So the Massachusetts General Court elects Adams to the U.S. Senate, and he is a Federalist, of course. Why wouldn't he be? And he serves from March of 1803 until 1808. And he says, I'm not a Federalist anymore. Sorry. And, you know, he, he had supported the Louisiana Purchase, and he supported the Embargo Act for from Jefferson. And Massachusetts Federalists are like, yeah, that's not what we do. Um, we're going to replace you. Sorry. Uh, it's actually going to be a few months earlier than your term was supposed to be over. And so, of course, that's when he resigns his Senate seat. He breaks with the Federalists because they betrayed him or he betrayed them, depending on how you want to look at it. And he becomes a Republican. And, you know, while he's a member of the Senate, you know, just as if he's not busy enough, he also decides, hey, I might as well be a professor at Brown University. Seems like a logical thing to do. And also, because it's logical, I will be a professor of logic. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the Republicans are like, I don't know about this guy. He's a Federalist. We're not really sure about him. And the Federalists are like, yeah, you're not part of us because you did stuff we didn't like. And so Adams is like, well, I guess I'll find my home here. Yeah. So a few years later, we got Madison as the president. And he remembers Q and... He's like, hey, buddy, guess what? You're going to Russia. (laughs) (laughs) I think the theme of this show should just be um, Q gets sent places he doesn't want to (laughs) go. So he quits his job at Harvard, and he and Louisa hop on a merchant ship. And in 1809, they're on the boat, and their son was born on their way to St. Petersburg. And there are all kinds of delays on board the ship. I mean, they get stuck in Norway and a British guy comes on board and is like, where are you going? What are you doing? Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) And Adams 
shows his papers and he's like, I'm headed to Russia as a U.S. minister. And uh, yeah, they get there, but it's like two months, two and a half months after they leave. So can you imagine being on board a, a boat and your wife has a child uh-huh. and they're like, um, we need you to stay here for a few <laughs> days. And well, you're going to arrive two and a half months after you leave. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, uh, not only did they get stopped by that British officer, they also got stopped by a Norwegian officer who ordered the um, the ship to go to Christiansand. And while they're there, Adams is like, hey, all those boats over there look like they're from the United States. What the heck's going on? <laughs> and he actually finds 38 different boats, ships, vessels, whatever you want to call them, that the Norwegians had detained. And he's like, I am going to make sure this never happens again. And, of course, you know, that, that goes down the road because he still has to go to St. Petersburg. Yeah, and so Adams, he's there in Russia, and, you know, the Tsar likes him. And uh, the Tsar's like, hey, you want to come on over and live here for a little while? <laughs> and uh, the emperor's like, um, is this because of financial reasons that you're not going to want to stay with me? But uh, Adams, he was pretty frugal. Yeah. And um, so... He did the good things in Russia. He did the diplomatic thing, but, you know, it just wasn't his gig. So in 1814, America's like, hey, Q, we <laughs> want you coming back uh, to negotiate the Treaty of Ghent, which ended the War of 1812, as you know. And uh, so he heads over to Great Britain and serves as the minister to the Court of St. James. Yeah, so after he, you know, helps negotiate the Treaty of Ghent, which kind of a big deal, uh, he gets sent to be the minister to the court of St. James. And he's there from, eight, which, you know, another time where Q just gets sent wherever everybody else wants him to go. Uh, from 1815 to 1817, he's there and he's like, hey, didn't my dad do this job before? <laughs> <laughs> and of course uh, he did. So... Um, they bring him back after a while, after 1817, and uh, he becomes the Secretary of State. He is John, James Monroe, John Monroe, whoever that is. <laughs> He's James Monroe's Secretary of State for a long time, from 1817 until 1825. And, you know, he and Monroe get along really well. He negotiates the Adams-Onis Treaty, which uh, is how the United States got Florida. He negotiated the Treaty of 1818, which was kind of a big one, too. He wrote the Monroe Doctrine, which we talked about the Monroe Doctrine during those episodes on Monroe. And he's like a bomb Secretary of State. Like, he does a really good job. He does a lot of stuff. And he becomes, you know, one of the, the standout guys at this at this time, pretty much the right-hand man to the president. Yeah, so what we have here with John Quincy Adams is he's basically a rock star diplomat, right? Mm -hmm. Cause you're not just going to send a guy to this country and that country if he's just goofing off and not doing things well. So he is just mean, rocking it. So yeah, as secretary of state, Q is just doing an amazing job. Many people say he's the greatest secretary of state in U S history. So because of all the great things that he had done diplomatically, it only made sense that in 1824, John Quincy Adams should 
run for president. So that's exactly what he does. And oh my goodness, things really get crazy in 1824. And that is what we're going to talk about in our next episode. Hey, if you enjoy listening to Election College and you think other people should listen as well, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Helps us get this podcast in front of more people. And let's face it, history is much better than the present. Yeah, and history is fun with friends, so tell a friend too. Uh, If you also would be so kind, we would love to say hello, legitimately. Uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we really will respond. We'll at least, you know, favorite your tweet unless it's stupid. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> even if it's stupid, we'll favorite it and then delete it later. Uh, no, I'm just kidding about that too. Uh, maybe we should just ignore people, Jason. I don't know how we should handle this, but <laughs> anyway, we do love the interaction and we really look forward to hearing from you all uh, on those different ways. You can also go over to our website, send us an email. You can send it to contact at electioncollege.com and uh, we think that would be pretty cool too yeah we'll see you next time